0: You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage
1: Plus. Man, everybody's like, I want to be partners. Happy Thursday. I apologize if you guys have a desire to eat Fruit Stripe, uh... What is it? Bubble gum because of my shirt. Oh, it does kind of look like that. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking.
2: Well, good choice. Chris and I match. We're going to coordinate from now on. We're going to coordinate the show. I'll send you guys an email the night before and we can coordinate our, our attire.
0: There you go.
2: We're excited Here's- to be here today with you guys. If you have questions throughout the show, please feel free to drop them in the comments section and we will answer them. As quickly as possible, depending on how long Mr. Presky is talking. <laughs>
0: <Maybe> <laughs> it did take you long to figure that out, Courtney.
2: I mean, it took me like three shows. Let's let's be honest. Um, we're talking about we're talking about the hottest topic in real estate right now, which is how will economic uncertainty impact the real estate market? Is it impacting it, or is it not? Um, what's going on with home sales, uh, as you may have heard, they're rebounding rather quickly, and what all of that means for you. So good morning, gentlemen.
1: Good morning. Good morning.
2: What's going on in real estate this week?
1: You tell them, Chris, you know it. I mean, there's
2: a huge thing, <laughs> I right?
1: I
0: do, yeah. It's, well, um,
1: let, let, me, let me just jump over Chris and say, <laughs> rates, since you guys have already labeled me, <laughs> Interest rates right now, you guys are fantastic. Um, under three percent on a thirty-year fixed, holy crap! Um, that's the lowest ever. I mean, it's like I think it was a historical low that we um, we hit, and it it. Uh, my goodness, those payments can't get any sweeter.
2: Pretty amazing. True.
1: And
0: Have
2: you seen an influx? That's... Influx of buyers for you guys?
1: Go ahead. There's,
0: there's too many buyers. There's too many buyers for too little listings, and I think uh, I've heard that. And I talked to a lot of different realtors, and uh, everyone's saying that. I think it's kind of interesting. You know, people are wanting listings. Got to get listings because they're not as hard. I mean, once you have, them, obviously, then everyone else fights over them. But um, being just a buyer's agent is uh, rather hard right now. You got to be. You got to be going all the time.
1: Right.
2: People well, still it's, it's just work on the buyer side or is it, is it more common to work on both sides of the transaction now?
0: I think a lot of uh, beginning agents get the buyer side, you know, because they're probably working on lead systems and most of the leads are for buyers. Obviously some of them turn into seller uh, type things, but uh, a lot of agents are, are more heavier buyer side than they are on the listing side. Then you see a lot of listing people that do mostly listings then they have sometimes buyer agents that handle those,
1: right? Yep. No, I think that you're. Um, so when you say, are there more buyers coming to the marketplace? The buyers that are there, all it did, I think, is put a little more gas on the fire. I mean, people are just that more, much more excited that are already there. It's, it's, it is. It's. Uh, let's say there's a hundred people that want to buy cars right now, and there's only fifty cars on the lot, and the interest rates just got lower. So it's like they're they're scooping them up even faster. And what I'm seeing more of, which is interesting, is that you're probably going to see more of them shift up, um, you know, which is, I think, a great strategy move right now for buyers because when you're stuck and you can't find anything under 300 rates drop and now you can afford 315 Also, all of a sudden there's a whole new world that will become um, available to you, at, you know, just because of the, the payment being um, the same. So, yeah. it's you know, that's, I think, kind of the, the win for a lot of buyers that are out there that... As rates drop, if you have an opportunity with your real estate agent and you're sitting back and you're like, man, we just can't find anything. Talk to your lender, look at the rate. And if you have a, you know, $1,800 a month payment in your head, that that's where you want to stick to rates go down. You now, obviously your your buying power goes up. So taking advantage of that, I think will bring you more to look at. And I think that you'll have better success.
0: Yeah. I I do think the interest rates of what they've done is just given more people ability to uh amp up their pricing um from uh even from an offer standpoint even if they're in that you know still looking under 300 and it's 299 they're bidding 328 you know kind of thing yeah
1: so for sure
2: how's that how is that impacting the long term for the market projections do you think that more people will start listing that have thought about it or do you think they're still going to hold tight
0: I've had an uptick over the last couple of weeks of people finally getting ready to get back on. Um, Some people are new people, and some people are ones that have just kind of held off for a little while. Um, So, but you know, the other thing I was going to say about those interest rates is that it might be able to, you know, the people that are afraid they're going to sell their house and not have anything is to be able to buy non contingent now um, without selling their house because those rates are lower. It might help them qualify um, for something and, or, you know, refinance your own house and turn it into a rental and then just go find, try to buy something else. So
2: are you seeing a lot of your clients, past clients looking to refinance right now too?
0: Oh yeah. Someone, I don't know where I heard it, but there was something saying that there's 10 million people willing to refinance and it can only handle the refinance market can only handle 4 million, something like that. Wow! You know, but the, yeah. And so it's like, yeah, tons of people. I mean, you, even if you were at under 4% before, I mean, now you're under three. So a lot of people are jumping in.
1: For sure. Awesome. Yeah. It, it is crazy though. You know, when you think about what, well, here's what, again, we talked about this kind of last week. I love when markets do stuff like this because it brings people options. You know, what I don't like is that there's, lack of inventory. So eventually you're going to see the volume of sales go down, which will imply that there's, you know, houses aren't selling. That's not the case. The demand is ridiculously high. There's just people that in a pandemic panic, weird, right? And and all of a sudden they don't move. Paralysis is what happens to a lot of people. They sit still and they won't move because they don't know what's happening or they don't know, you know, is there another wave of this coming? Is there a whatever? But on the other hand, most people are very realistic, understanding their industry that they're in. They know their jobs are good. They know their life has changed, and they need to make a modification to their current living situation. Which is, you know, that that happens in every market. So there's still I call the basic, you know, must moves happening out there. And then there's a lot of buyers that are coming into the marketplace that are, you know, the first time buyers or the the I've been a, a renter my whole life, and you know, um, now I'm going to become an owner because it's cheaper than rent. It's half the price of rent and most people that have rented that long you've got to have great credit you can't have crummy credit and be a renter that long I mean you eventually your credit comes back and you build it up and you're probably a great candidate to talk with a lender and i I was I always encourage that because I'll tell you what you know the the old analogy of hey you pay rent on this place for 15 years if you have a 15year mortgage or 30 years if you have a 30-year mortgage and at that point the owner will hand you the keys to the property you own it free and clear think about that for a second. There are some people going on eight, nine, 10, 12 years of renting just because they've been scared of the market since back in the the uh the fork, you know, the big housing crisis. And it's time, jump in the water, it's great, you know, but it's it's it, make sure that you're affording what you're getting into. And if you're nervous, um plan to have rentals within the property. You can have roommates, you know. So if you're a young single guy and you got a couple buddies, rent, you know, you live in the basement, they rent out the two upstairs bedrooms, you probably have your payment being made. Why would you not do that?
2: I, um, we had one of our neighbor, our friends, uh, kids came over last night. He graduated from St. Thomas in the spring and, um, is working. And he was telling us that he wants to buy a house. I mean, he's young, 22, 23 years old, uh, wants to buy a house because he sees all of his buddies paying so much money for a one bedroom apartment downtown mm-hmm. and recognizes the value of it. So I, I think that's, um, are you seeing more kids, younger people, I can't. I feel like I'm dating myself by been calling been him a kid because he's a true adult. Sorry, hold. <laughs> <I'm> um,
1: but,
2: <laughs> but are you seeing more young people come to the market that uh, are are taking advantage of the low interest rates, or just looking to buy for for their own personal financial reasons?
0: I th- I, I give all these uh, millennials and uh, people a lot more credit than most of the market does. Uh, I've, I've seen a a good influx of uh, young kids and, and, and that they have money too, which is uh, very interesting. Like they saved up and and they kept it and, and they're jumping in um, to the mix for sure.
1: Agreed. I can't, I can't, you know, add any more to that other than, you know, I look at the, the only thing that I'm really, I want people to take a look at is the, you know, the, When you do affordability and you look at what do you make currently, do you feel safe? Um, You know, if you sign a two-year lease, you're not getting out of that lease either. So if you can commit to a two-year window of making a payment where you feel safe, including rent, because a lot of times people don't understand. They're like, "Well, I have to have a place to live," so they don't look at rent as the same as a payment. But they'll trust me. They'll track you down and get those payments out of you, or they'll destroy your credit in the meantime. So it's like if you can make a mental two-year commitment to yourself. That I can rent something, you're ready to be a buyer. I really, I really believe that. If you're only looking for a six-month or a one-year rental and you're not even a year out in your in your big plan of life, you're probably not quite ready to make a rental or an ownership commitment, but it's a mental hurdle.
2: And what about how this is impacting the economy as a whole? I mean, mortgage rates fell because of what's going on in the economy as a whole, but what how is that the rest of the economy impacting the housing market?
0: I just don't. We're just not seeing it because there's not enough inventory. So I don't think you're you're just not including enough people um, in it because it's. uh, I mean, if we didn't know there wasn't a pandemic, I mean, from the real estate industry, I mean, you would be like, no, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong out there at all, you know, because it is. It's going crazy now. I I assume um, some people aren't doing as well um, because there's definitely a lot less to be able to sell. But um for the most part, it's uh I, I don't think it's almost uh separate from it, don't you think, Andy? I mean, sometimes I mean yeah. you, you you feel it if someone wants you to wear a mask or whatever. And now I don't know. Do we, we have to wear masks all the time now? Showing houses, I would assume
1: in, in closed orders and in public or something like that. But it's I think if you're outside, they don't like if you're just out walking your dog, you don't have to wear a mask if you don't want to. But I don't know the rules and I'm guaranteeing you somebody will text into the show and tell me that I'm incorrect, but in a good way though. Thank you for the, the input. Um, the, uh, the, uh, I don't know. I, you know, I, I look at the outside influences, real estate, you guys is, is 20 to 23% of the nation's GDP. We're it, it's a big player in what happens in this country and housing is also a big player. And, and, The fact that, I mean, we're selling 5 million on average homes a year annually, 50,000, almost 45,000 in the Twin Cities market. Um, You know, there's a lot of people moving. Now, if those numbers fall in half, there's a lot of investors that are not, you know, placing money in the market, you know, for for mortgages. There's a lot of title companies that don't have as much business, mortgage individuals, real estate individuals. And I think you'll see our industry thin out pretty fast, but um, everybody projected a dip. Right, I think that there's no doubt. Even Chris and I have talked about this. But the dip, as the as the market would come down, is it going to be a V or is it going to be a U? Is it going to be an L? Right, and that's that's the part that nobody can truly answer. We all hope it's going to be a V. It comes down and then we bounce back as we get healthy and everybody's is, is you know going back to work that that can. But on the other hand, I've also talked to a lot of real estate agents that say that their buyer pool and their seller pools are not unemployed right now anyway. There's, you know, so it's like who's unemployed? What's their income levels? Are they even potential home buyers or not? In this arena, not that they're not important to the rest of the economy, they sure are. But in this arena of home buying, I mean, how many people are unemployed that are not eligible for a house anyway versus that would be a candidate for a house is kind of the unfortunate way you have to look at this sometimes because where do you invest? Where do you put your efforts as a a business owner? And, you know, so it's, I'm not seeing a shortage of people coming to us at all. I'm seeing yeah
0: there's, there's your v andy right in front of you look at that yep very good Courtney. great timing. i
2: mean impeccable timing right
0: it's amazing uh, that is, I mean, you're it's, one of
1: them uh, organized people
2: <laughs> <laughs> only when i have to be yeah which is all the time um but what do you think what do you think is going to happen beyond this month. So we've seen this huge rebound. Do you think that will continue uh, down the line to, can home sellers be confident that they're putting their house on the market at a good time to sell?
0: I, I would, <laughs> obviously I'm we're, we're encouraging people to do it because <laughs> there is enough buyers out there. But again, I mean, you have to, you have to, usually you got to go somewhere too, you know, so. I think that that's what the struggle is with people. It's not about, Hey, is it the right time to do it? It's just, Hey, can we get what we want? You know,
2: Are you, are you seeing more people create a stronger plan for the next step before they put their house on the market instead of putting their house on the market and then looking for the next step?
0: It's a good question. You
1: you know, I've I've been seeing, I've been seeing a lot of people, um, trying to figure out where they're going first, you know, trying to find like, hey, can we get a property that we like? Is it affordable? Um, I see a lot of people, you guys struggling under 300. I mean, I'm I'm seeing where, you know, I'll give you an example. We listed one last week where we were at uh, 215 and we had 14 offers on that property in 24 hours. And I had people literally like, you should see the agents what they were doing to try to get their offers accepted. It was ridiculous. And, um, I, I wear a three X just so you know, if you're interested in buying my love, um, the, uh, <laughs> with your offer, a nice, nice sweater, would be nice. Um, the, uh, the, the Real nobody, Estate commission uh, just isn't enough. Yeah. It's not enough. I, uh, hey, don't, I, don't
0: I demand, worry about your client either. It's not a big deal.
1: I, I demand. <laughs>
0: use, yeah.
1: I expect a cooler full of cold ones. Um, No, the so the offers come in, you sit down side by side. And the the, the hard thing is, guys, is that how do you make your offer attractive? Because when you have a market like today, we sat them down and we looked at, for an example, um, we were in an area where USDA was available, which is um, just like it sounds, the same guys that put the stamp on your steak at the butcher store, they have financing packages available where in rural areas, you can buy with zero money down. No joke. So if you're willing to drive another 10, 15 miles up the road, you can buy a house today with no money down. And that's, unfortunately, though, when when somebody has no money down, the appraisal gets meticulous for the bank. The bank wants that house to be at or below what it's really worth with somebody coming in with no skin in the game, right? So you start looking at that, and we started segregating the offers based on the kind of financing they had. Then we started looking at who's the strongest buyer with the best down payments, and so the higher down payments to us outvalued. Um, and then we looked at who's the lender. Is it a lender we've heard of? Is it somebody we've worked with before? And then you look at what kind of closing date, what kind of whatever. And then, of course, we obviously looked at the price. And what was interesting, though, Chris, is that you and I years ago when we were talking on the, the radio, we got kind of a, in a, a heated discussion with some brokers about this, saying that these agents are purposely overpricing their offers, knowing that safety net is going to be the appraisal. And so I had some offers coming in at 235, 240. I, would, I, didn't, I hate to be honest about it, but I didn't even look, I didn't want to look at them because I know they're not going to appraise. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's just, it's a shell game of, hey, we're going to offer a crazy amount of money knowing that the appraisal is going to come back at, you know, 220 or 215. But in the meantime, we beat out 14 other people to get the deal.
0: I think the other thing though that we, we've got, um, there's ways in which to find out Um, if realtors are doing that, because there was, there was, and you, you didn't catch up to them because we didn't really have the information to figure it out. But nowadays we can be able to go figure it out and find out, Hey, what they had a, they had a deal that they sold before at, and talked to another agent and see if that it's really crazy that we have to check in on the agents and what they're doing, but they're doing whatever they got to do to try to get their client a house. And I think that is, uh, and sometimes that's not to the best thing of the seller, (laughs) you know, because it is, it's, Hey, get it, do whatever you got to do to get it and then nail them on the inspection. If you can't get them there, then hopefully that appraisal is going to come in low and we got to renegotiate at that point. But that's our job on the listing side to be able to kind of filter all that stuff. Um, And not so much, I've never said, Hey, a good problem to have is, you know, if you take the higher offer, a good problem to have is, um, if it's, it's not a great problem, but if they come in low, but figure that out ahead of time. And if you've got multiple offer situations and you've got a ton of people that are um, in it, that's why you said how much money they have down. Because the more money you have down, the more likely the appraisal is not going to be any issue whatsoever. But the other thing is that they can adjust their financing. Um, because of the money down to be able to, to make it work. So
1: how many, I think yeah, how many, how many of your offers, sorry to interrupt you, um, uh, the, uh, are you seeing where they're coming in, where they're getting an appraisal waiver? Because you, of COVID. 20% I, I down.
0: Yeah. Numerous. Yeah, if you have 20% down. That, so. They're doing it. Yeah. Yep. yeah we've had okay. them and it's something that we've been a little worried about, you know, that they, and then all of a sudden it's like, nope, we're good. So Yeah, we had one
1: where we uh, the the thing got auto-approved, flew through. They didn't have to do any appraisals. They didn't have job verification, nothing. They qualified based on their their credit scores and everything. And then they came back and there was – I had one of my buyers on a property I had listed. They they came back and said, you know what? We're not going to pay off our college debt. We're going to – because that was part of their requirements for the qualification. Mm -hmm. And immediately it triggered the underwriter to open the file verify the income. And all of a sudden they realize that, Hey, 30% of this guy's income is actually bonus check. And so it doesn't really count. He's only been getting bonuses for, you know, 14 months. And then I mean, Oh my God. All of a sudden they didn't on paper didn't qualify three days before closing because they opened up a can and said, we don't want to pay off our college debt. You need to basically pack for the lake and go to the lake. Once you've made that commitment to put it in your truck, it's going all the way to the lake. Do not change anything between the time you get ready and the time you close, because I'm telling you, something as simple as saying, I don't want to pay off $6,000 in college debt can trigger a series of events that can now also make you not be a homeowner at the end of the week.
2: What are the other things you should not do between the time that um, that you get your pre-approval and you close on your home? By, I, mean, I think that's probably a different By subject. TV
0: was with no interest, no payments for 17 years. Don't do that either. Cause that becomes a credit problem. Signing up for credit <laughs> cards is a problem. It was a good deal, Chris. It was, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great deal, but it becomes a, a debt against you. So um, Andy's right. You know, I mean, you don't, I mean, if you have to change jobs, you know, you got to alert the lender and people as, as soon as possible on that. But I've had that too. And they're kind of like, well, it's in the same, it's in the same um, industry. Well, it doesn't matter. Someone has to call and verify. They call and verify uh, the day of or the day before closing that you still have a job at that yeah. place. And so
1: well, there's yeah. a lot of companies now sweetening the pot too by offering potential profit sharing packages. And in it, it on paper, you know, you, you made this amount before and it was salary. And then now you're making that plus a bonus and you're going out and getting qualified on that bonus. And but, you just got to be careful. I mean, I think that that goes back to, you know, real estate 101, start with your lender, listen to your lender and then hire a professional to take you out shopping based on what they tell you. And it, cause that's where I would start because how do you know if you're comfortable making an offer on something anyway, if you don't know what the payment equates to, you know, if you just say, well, I think I want to spend 300 cause that's a number that I like. Well, know what 300,000 means in the form of a payment and taxes and you know, and, and anyway.
2: Hey, Chris, Michelle writes and says, Hey, Mr. Rooney.
0: Hey, 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 that's Mitzi, She says she says it's Michelle, but her name is Mitzi.
2: Well, you're How getting you
0: fans. <laughs> to me, to me it is. <laughs> yes, to you
2: specifically. Um, don't worry, Mitzi, We won't hold it against you that you only said hi to Chris.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. I'm just kidding.
0: Are <laughs> you Keep doing, her away Mincy? from Andy? I'm yeah. that. How that's you doing? a good, just a good person, Courtney. I I, so.
2: I assume she is. I assume that anyone you know is good people, yeah, Chris.
0: Yeah very good.
2: Um, so, so in terms of bringing us back to kind of the, the current housing market with the upward trend, Fannie Mae has completely revised what they think the market will do for the rest of the year. Do you think that will continue to hold steady or do you think their predictions will change again this year?
0: I think it's impossible to do predictions anymore. I, I just really do. I mean, if, I mean, even with this, uh, this whole thing and the uprise and the uptick of, uh, you know, cases. And it just, I don't know. I think just half the people believe it. Half the people don't. And I think it just keeps going. And as, as long as we have low inventory, I don't think anything's going to get hit. I really don't. Now, obviously, uh, if it, I mean, a bunch of stuff comes on the market and we don't have as many buyers, now we've got a problem like we did in 2008. So. Yeah, but
1: I think, I think that directly equates to you guys where equity is the key. If you have equity, you're not you're not in a position where you, you have to make choices. You can just sit back and say, you know what, I'm going to sit back and relax, um, ride the market up, ride the market down, whatever it is. Um, when you don't have equity or you're not making your payments is when you get kind of pinched and forced to sell. And so the housing crisis last time, we had people that just could not afford to stay in their houses. They didn't have jobs. They didn't have the ability to repay. They overpaid for their houses. They had ridiculous rates. You know, so it was like, it kind of came back to where they it came there there you go again wow You like you're like a mind reader
2: <laughs> I just predict what you're going to talk about on the show Yeah I'm pretty simple huh Yeah I know it's just what Andy you are you are so on top of what's going on in the market I know that if I just go to the most recent news stories and pull all the graphs I need I'll have everything ready to go Well thank you I think
0: But you don't know, Andy is part of what you're saying there though I mean, even with these graphs, is it's saying that, hey, if you can't make your payments and you don't, and you do it for 12 months and you don't make your payments for 12 months, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know what, I've got to get rid of my house. Most of these people still have equity, you know? Right. And, and before, I mean, if you weren't making things for 12 months and it was worth 300 I mean, by the time that 12 months was over, it was only worth 270 You know, now, you know, you're not making payments at 300 and by the time you're you're done. It's 324,000. You just kind of finance your own payments. Then you can yep. sell it and be on your way. Your credit's exactly. going to get hurt, but you're not, it's not going to go to the foreclosure market. It was, we're just not going to see that.
1: Yeah, I agree.
2: Did I think there's some something people about are... a canoe.
0: Uh, oh, yeah, it's I...
2: behind you. Mike's on his
0: shoulder. Yes. His shoulder. Mike
2: wants to know the last time you went in a boat that didn't have a motor.
1: Well, Mike, funny story. That's how I got stranded on this island. I actually used to fit in that canoe and I came out to this island and now I can't ride it off the island. I would sink it. Is that what you wanted me to say, Mike?
0: <laughs> I know where you live, Mike. Hey, no one's asked about my background today. and There's a reason there. This is this background.
2: Why do you have that background today, Chris?
0: Because I've watched every episode of Naked and Afraid. That's what have I do really? now. Yeah. Yeah. I've watched everyone, all 11 seasons. I've now, I've seen them all.
1: and wow, I'm still That's yeah, dedication.
0: I'm amazed. Oh, by officially
1: now are, 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 butt cheeks unattractive to you now after watching that many episodes of naked yeah. people walking around?
0: Yeah. It's, that's, it's uh, disgusting. I love I'm the concept amazed. of it,
1: but I'm like, Oh my God, I would, that is the opposite of where or what I would challenge myself with.
0: I know I I'd last 20 minutes. I, especially with the bugs. But anyways,
1: fish. yeah. It's hard enough living on this island with my canoe teasing me every day. Exactly.
0: You have a fish source there, though. See, I'm just it's in like the-
1: Gilligan's Island and I'm the skipper with no crew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's move on, Courtney.
2: Anyway, back on topic. Um, so is it a good time? I mean, obviously, there's it's a good time to buy. But is it a good time to sell?
0: It's a fantastic time to sell. Fantastic. And I'll tell you what, it's even a better time to sell. If you kind of pick out a price segment that you're moving to that isn't going as well right now. And there is segments and and there, and it's not just, Hey, in Minnesota, this is a good deal. It might be, Hey, in Champlin, this is where a good deal is. Maybe there's a glut of houses in that, in that. And so it's, you're going to get a lesser price. So I think it, it depends what you're moving into, but you know, i and I think we talked about this on here, but I've talked about it somewhere, but people are saying, well, gosh, if we buy too high, you know, well, you're selling high. So if you're selling high and buying high, what's the difference if you're selling here and buying here? It's the same exact thing, and especially probably with interest rates. So, Well, well and judging you know,
2: by this graph, people have, it's kind of, it that equity transfers to this conversation as well. People have a lot of equity in their homes.
1: Yeah, it's well, funny, they Andy. they stay longer they I think that's also reflective of the the baby boomer generation that there's a huge population of people that are just not moving and that's part of it and they just they just don't see where the alternative that's better is they they sell their you know 3000 square foot two story try to trade it for a 1200 1500 1700 square foot rambler and it's twice the price yeah. you know and so they just decide not to do anything and they just sit still and they remodel which is fine. It's just that it gets to a point though, where even like lake property, I say, when you go around the lakes and you look up North, which I'd like to bring our guys, you know, Brent Anderson and Mark Pedig back on again. Um, those guys, I love talking to them. They, they always talk, you know, things about like, what is the average age of the person you see around the lake? And he says a lot of people that are up there, the new money coming up there is younger. And the st- the people that are up there currently have been around for 30, 40 years. And so they're just, you know, that's their retirement house or their whatever. So it'd be interesting to see when that wealth transfers to younger generations, because a lot of times the youth does not have the same money that mom and dad have for whatever reason. And they, I mean, they get to where they inherit a million dollar cabin and they can't even afford the, the you know, the taxes. So I think you're going to see some of those markets where you have heavy concentrations of baby boomers over the next few years, as they decide to say, you know what, I want to sell and I'm tired of taking care of two places. I do think you'll see some of those markets getting a little softer. And so if you're asking me, am I projecting the seven, $800,000 cabin market, is that going to get soft? I, I do think so.
2: We can see if um, if those guys are around for a for conversation on the cabin market next month. I think that'd be an interesting topic. Um, before we jump on to last week's questions, uh, Blair said that, well, you're on the island, Andy make your own show.
1: Whoa. Without my buddy?
2: Chris could fly out. Chris, you have a helicopter, right?
1: Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll zoom.
1: You'll zoom in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we have a lot of bugs out here on the island. Well, I know Chris would come out with a tri-tune with a 300 horse on the back, so he'd save me. Yeah.
0: I kind of want to make a comment, though, about what Andy said about the Lakeshore Cabin, and just throw a wrinkle in that and say, you know, with now, with people maybe not going into the office, you know, they're working remotely. And I think that's one thing I think that's going to continue on. I think we've got it where people are going to, even if it's uh, just part time, but that living away and and living your vacation every day. And being able to do work from that cabin up north, I don't know. I think there might be um, some, you know, people saying, you know what, let's let's just trade in the house that's in uh, Champlin, and we're going to move up to you know Brainerd instead, and I'll just do my job from there.
1: Let, let me then- let me put this, Let me preface by putting up my finger first of all, which means I have a good point. Um, the if they have internet and they're considered a metro area where there's hospitals, those areas are not going to be as impacted. As I think you'll see where the areas that don't have Wi-Fi and horrible cell phone service. And you know what I'm saying? It's like, and I don't think the Metro will be affected by that. I think the Metro areas will always be hot. Um, I, I really do. I don't think you're going to see any value depreciation necessarily in the cities. I'm talking about up North. You know what I mean? Where literally when you think of up North, that's what I'm talking about.
0: It's right behind, like with the canoe over your shoulder. that up
1: People north. Like me with canoes on islands are going to be affected.
0: They don't have gas. I Okay, I get it.
1: We're Smoke good. signals. We have a show this morning. That's why you, Chris, you wear these edible shirts. They're delicious. Cutie <laughs> fruity flavored. Fruit I strength. remember
0: those as geranimals. Do you remember geranimals? Do you guys this remember? Is a, this is actually Courtney, the, yeah.
1: this
2: is the, the cheetah shirt for animals. Like cheetah
0: shorts. Yeah. yeah, they used to have it like with your your pants or your shorts. And they'd have like a tiger, and then you'd go find the shirt with a tiger, and then you'd match them up.
2: No. And so that's
0: what Andy's doing. It
1: makes
2: it so oh. much
0: easier, Courtney. Yeah. Yeah. Oh
2: well, I mean, I do, I do enjoy having kind of like simply matching children's clothing collections, but I've never really thought about it for myself. I'm serious. I, that
1: was, that was, I think that was J.C. Penney's, Wasn't it, Chris? I think it's Walmart. They still have that brand. Gur animals. Gur animals. Yep. And you can literally yes. match Walmart. Literally
0: Still around so,
2: last week's questions. Uh, unless yeah. you guys have, I guess I kind of cut you off there. Did you have more you wanted to add to your projections no. for, or non projections through the end of the end of the year?
0: It's funny our whole real estate my whole real estate career we always talked about you know people typically stay in their house seven years so that graph was interesting i've never seen that before um and and so it was true from you know like that 1989 to 2009 i mean you know that's a yeah that's, that's a pretty time. steady yeah yeah of that and then it's very interesting to see that this it it's longer now so well,
1: and keep in mind this chart what's kind of cool too that skews numbers in the good way is that when you were buying a house? Let's, let's go back to my my hometown here, Champlin. You could buy a beautiful house for one hundred and forty thousand during the, the the peak back in two thousand and eight. Now that house is worth two seventy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that's where these people are coming up with these ridiculous equity numbers. I mean, they bought at the right time and they're holding those houses, and and they're just they're they're riding the American dream, man.
0: Well, they're comfortable. They're comfortable, and, I mean, they probably remember it when it was nasty. I mean, that's what a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, got uh, – it was terrible at that time. And now they're in, and just let me sit for a while, and then uh, maybe we'll think about it, you know, if if the if it raises just a little more.
1: You know, they they called uh, the generation before us when they were the depression survivors the, the eat-your-fat generation, right, when they were hungry enough. And that – it was true, though. Think about it your grandpa probably, or my grandpa, you know, they used to eat your fat. You don't waste anything. And that, that's what's happening to us. I think our generation or the people that have lived through that housing crisis are wicked smarter than they were. And they're very cautious and smart about how they're investing. That's why the market's stable. It's just, it's full of great homeowners. You're still positive. It's all the kayaking I do, Chris, it, it or canoeing. It keeps me young. Let's see if you can answer some of these questions.
2: Let's answer some questions that were submitted last week that we didn't get to. Um, Is it possible, oh, we talked about this a little bit today. Is it possible to buy a home with no down payment?
0: Yes. That, yeah, your USDA program, and then there's, you know, the veterans. uh, VA. If you have eligibility, you can uh, get in with zero down too. And I'll tell you what, I've had a lot of dealings with those VA loans and zero down and they've been fantastic. Yeah, they they do them really good, and and used to be be afraid of them, but not no more.
1: Well, they, well, they yeah. do have some higher, you know. The caveat to that, though, I always tell buyer beware. There's no down payment, but they have higher fees on them. You know, depending on your if you're um, a disabled veteran, they're to almost to nothing. But there is a uh, a placement fee that they have that you know can be up as high as I think three and a half percent for for expenses towards the loan. That they will allow you to finance and put on the top so you literally can buy any house come to closing with a smile but if you put yourself you put nine grand worth of fees on the top of a house and the market stays flat you're in a negative equity position right out of the chute so i always warn everybody that you know just because it's a benefit doesn't necessarily mean it's a good financial strategy for you so you really do want to take a look at does the other side of the fence look like if you go va you know if it helps you buy a house that you can build equity in i say do it if you're buying in a peak market um, where you're putting nothing into your house and you're, you're, you know, um, it, it can also be a troublesome product.
2: What, if you need down payment assistance or a zero down payment option, where's the first place you should start?
0: Just talk to a the lender. They usually have, um, uh, you know, you can research everything you want, but these lenders that just call around, say, Hey, is there any down assistance uh, or down payment assistance programs and if they don't really know call the next lender because it's amazing um what some of these guys can come up with and the people that really uh, that do it a lot are able to the sources and they're able to get it done and they can convince because the biggest problem is is convincing the seller or a seller's agent that the property that they're buying from you needs this assistance, you know, and it's because it's it's typically a harder thing in which to get and then if you have 10 other offers that don't have that, which one are you going to choose? You know. Well, and I coach so. all
1: my agents. I coach my agents, so too, Chris, just like you're saying, if you're presenting an offer and you know your multiples, it's your obligation to represent your buyer and go to that selling agent and say, listen, here's why my buyer's fantastic. Here's why their financing makes sense for them and for you. And here's how we'll make sure that this transaction will happen. And, and then make sure that you understand it because- I can't, I still, I mean, not to pick on our industry, but holy crap, how many people literally email offers and don't even call? I mean, come on, get out of the business. Be a professional. I mean, show up and do your job. And that's what your job is. And they wonder why people get mad at real estate agents is because they don't do their jobs. You need to literally present that, you know, client's offer, do it in a way that sells that client on, you know, on, on their client. And working with the other agent, it makes them more comfortable when you reach out to them and show, hey, I'm gonna pick up my phone and call you when I have a challenge and not just sit behind an email screen and hide. I'm sorry, I'm off my soapbox. It's
0: true. Penny. Andy, were you I'm I'm not trying to be I, I'm asking a serious question here. Were you were you in the industry when we're actually you could go to a seller and, and present the offer directly to them?
1: Was, was I? that done?
0: Well, yeah. Or was that done by the time you got,
1: you know, uh, you remember he's still around? I believe Jeff Martineau. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeff Martineau, when I was, when I was, he was the last agent in God, what was it? 2000 that forced me to sit down with my client and said, I want to present face to face. and And that's how I learned the art of how people are amazing presenters and smooth. And he was there the whole time absorbing their reactions to his offer and writing it down mentally. This guy's a genius, by the way. I don't know. You know, at least he was back in the day. He was one heck of an agent. And I learned so much from him that day that from that point going forward, I no longer would allow agents to present offers. I was like, Nope, my clients don't want to present an offer. Cause you give up too many of your cards. You know, you, you really do. You're showing your emotions, non-verbals
0: non-verbals. If you can see that when you're presenting it and you hit them with something, you can see them kind of shy away. You know, you miss that and go to the other thing. And yeah. yeah, that used to be, it was, it was a lot more fun, you know, when we were able to do that.
1: It was intense. It was like going to trial or something, you know, you sit down and present an <laughs> offer and you can watch and strategize and it's like playing poker, was, you know?
0: It was so funny. We had, we had one offer and there was, so we had three agents Three agents were there. We all came with our offer in our hands. We were sitting in the living room, and one by one, we'd go into the kitchen, and they would we present the offer. And uh, it just so happens that the listing agent and all three of us knew each other. We all knew each other, and we did it. And uh, it, <laughs> um, we we they came back and we presented it. My offer was the lowest offer, and the listing agent comes in and he's just like he just shakes his head. And he goes, "Rudy, they're taking your offer." You know, and because we talked about afterwards what our offers were, you know, yeah. and it was like, what, you know, but I hit something. It was about, you know, they're starting a family there and that's what these people had done. They started their family there. And so you you kind of, you got that out of them, but uh, I'm still to this day called, uh, what do you call it? Backyard Charlie or something, you know, because <laughs> I, I had the love stopper. And the, so these guys give me a hard time all the time, but it
1: worked. You know, and, and, and today that comes into equality laws and everything else that we you have to be a little careful nowadays. Like, I don't I don't read the letters that they submit because you can't if you if you put biased onto an offer because of their uh, family style or their whatever. It's just it's not good practice. So we've we've always set that to the side, um, you know, so these agents that still present that they're they're allowed to do whatever they want. I think that, you know, back in the, the seller's
0: days, decision you know, yeah. if you want to hear it or not.
1: So, well, and, the, and here was the other thing back in the day when agents did not trust each other, that's when we had the face-to-face presentation because we didn't believe that their offer was, our offer was going to get presented to the seller in a way that we would want it presented. Um, and so we would cooperate and allow each other to present offers. Nowadays it's trust knowing you're, you're assuming that your client, um, had, you know, presented that offer. I've even gone as far as to, in multiples, ask for an initial from the seller that says that they decline my offer and initial it so I can bring it back to my client. Yeah. You know, just because I want to make sure it gets presented because we're supposed to present all offers, but I'll tell you what, um, not all agents are, are I, 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 I want to think they would do it, but not, they, you know, there's always subjective to scrutiny. You know what I'm
0: saying? You're being naughty to agents today.
1: I know. I, I'm going to totally get kicked out of the MLS system here <laughs> and put uh, out of the association. Exactly.
2: You're going to get some emails after this show. I think.
1: I just want people to be better. I want people to be professionals. I want them to really take pride in their career and and be awesome for people. Because then our Is career it, will thrive and we'll continue to have an industry. Well, the next question. guaranteed offer. <laughs> the next question. I mean, you put the clown show on the radio. And it, it just diminishes our industry.
0: Oh God, Courtney, you're supposed to help stop this. Can you mute it? I don't him? know
2: how today.
0: <laughs> we, to. All right, <laughs> this? Needy,
2: we love you. Um, can you share any tips on negotiating on new construction?
0: I think what you got to keep in mind is that uh, in new construction, you know, you have to pay for everything that goes into it. Someone's got to pay for it. And, um, you know, builders saying, you know what, it's great. We'll, uh, we'll negotiate and, and not have you pay for the furnace and the AC and we'll pay for it. It's just, it's, you know, obviously if they're in trouble and they can't, um, you know, get things sold, they have to start negotiating and it comes out of theirs. But I mean, it's, you're, you're putting in what it costs, you know, there's, I think the best way, uh, and Andy, you might be able to throw it on here too, is negotiate things to get done um, more at, from a cost standpoint than trying to take money off of, you know what I mean? Saying, So for instance, um, and I mean, there's a lot of specials out there that says, hey, they'll give me a free basement. But if you ask for, you know, a, a basement costs 35000 and you ask for 35000 off or a free basement, I mean, there's a difference to a builder. You know, that 35000 is $35,000. Finishing that basement, they might get it done for $22,000. And so it's better to get the basement finished than to ask for the money off.
1: Agreed. I think one of the things that I look at too is it's the ingredients that go into the house or the materials. Um, assuming that all builders have the similar to same markup, okay? And I'm talking like most builders have 10 to 20% depending on where they're building. I mean, that's you guys, that's it. I mean, it's not like they're making uh, $400,000 on a uh, $500,000 house. The, the margins aren't there. They pay real estate agents, you know, anywhere from five to six percent, and so you look at that and you put all that into the equation, and it comes down to what materials are you getting in that home because some builders negotiate. Like for example, let's say they they buy a higher quality of cabinet, and they buy a higher quality of door and trim, and they buy bulk, and so they're always getting that excellent value on that consistent supply of higher quality materials. But let's say that costs ten thousand dollars more per house, you know, so it's like. That house might be $10,000 more for a reason because it, it actually has higher quality materials. Not all houses are framed the same. There are some uh, builders that are out there that will figure out and engineer ways to pull a two by four out of every corner and brace it with plywood because it's cheaper. We don't. A lot of the builders that are out there don't do that. The smaller Minnesota family-owned businesses, they they pride themselves on quality. They're actually beefing stuff up. They're actually adding extra braces. They're adding that extra whatever or like HVAC systems. Um, I see this all the time, and and I'm I'm just going to pick on the Wall Street builders for a minute. Some of the Wall Street builders, not all, will literally put a vent that is a uh, 24 by 36 inch vent in the upper level that sucks all the air back down to the, the furnace versus the builder down the street that's a custom builder puts cold air returns in every bedroom so that the air pulls across the floor evenly and you have that consistent even heat. And you wonder like, well, geez, Um, you know, why is my house, my old house was so nice and and stayed warm or cool versus my new house. It's spotty and I have to have fans running, um, but it meets the codes. Um, there is a difference you guys. And there's a reason why a house is $50,000 less for the same square footage. It's just a matter of, can you pick it out or not? And I think that the consumer, this is where I would hire a real estate agent that knows new construction to be able to walk through every property and say, is this valuable to you? you know, maybe you don't want fancy cabinets because your kids are going to wreck them anyway. So you're okay with a bigger national builder or a, a Wall Street builder, as I call them. Um, they can actually provide more square footage and let the kids wreck the house over the next 15 years. And then you re- remodel it and, you know, and sell it. But on the other hand, if you're looking for quality, um, some of those guys can't keep up with our local guys. And, and, and when you strategize, for an example, here's the last thing I'll leave you with. Um, when you sit down with a custom builder And if you're picking higher quality materials, you want maybe Anderson windows, or you want some kind of a a Marvin or an upgraded window that they would, you know, perceive as upgraded and you want a better HVAC system with a 95% efficient furnace, variable speed fans. You want to have um, everything on your, on your phone so you can control that. That all can be done for very little money, as long as you're planning ahead and, and you have it into the equation from the very beginning. Um, And I'm telling you, there's, there's so many amazing value builders that are out there and their price has nothing to do with their quality. It, it's it's just, they're more expensive because they have higher quality materials going into the house. that will last longer. And in the future, you'll do more money because they, they cost you less to maintain them. Sorry. Hot button.
2: I hear this conversation almost daily from my husband. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: you guys all right. talked about HVACs?
2: Oh, no, talking about, uh, (laughs) talking about quality in Rick, my husband works with Andy and, uh, and also has a background in, in new construction on the construction side from, from like your trim packages. And so he talks about this all the time and how, how the, how the differences lay out. Right. Just so Um, you know,
0: this, this flower might be edible. Just telling you.
2: I thought it was pretty. We can change it for next week.
0: Yeah, but it might no, not. Maybe it, maybe
1: it could be. The masculine theme going there, Courtney.
2: You know, sometimes we have to add something from the other side of the equation. Can't always be. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot of flowers on this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll change those out for some different stock photos for next week. I keep, okay. getting out, <laughs> I keep getting out bid on houses. Is this market crazy or am I just not doing this right?
0: Both. both. <laughs> Most likely it's both. Because um, the market is crazy, depending on what price point you're in, but there is ways in which to try to separate yourself. Andy's talked a lot about them today, and it's uh, all of them are uh, fairly true. What he said, I don't believe it. <laughs> it's <laughs> you, we're true. Recording no. the show, correct?
1: No, no, but, yes, you know, you're just
0: but you know, a, a big thing Andy talked about was talking to the other agent and not just throwing your offer over there and talking and, and, you know, being able to explain who your people are. So that agent can better explain who your people are to the seller only gives you a, a, a better advantage. It's just like we talked about in the old days when we were, we got in front of them, you know, this, this, our way to get in front of them now is to get in front of that agent and, and try to speak through them. And sometimes it is with letters that sometimes, you know, what you say and what you write um, sometimes can be two different things, you know, Hey, we want this super easy, but I'll tell you what, if it doesn't appraise, we want our money back, you know? Well, no, yeah. that's not what you say, you know? So th- you have to kind of read through the, uh, language you're, I think it's, I mean, I check into every agent that, uh, writes offers on our places. I do. And I try to find out what, what their story is and, you know, how they handle things. And we have all the information now to be able to, uh, You know, find out everything about an individual. I mean, everything.
1: Absolutely, and not only that, but you know, you look at like the uh, like you just said, Chris, with the um, when you write an offer. If you truly believe that house is worth four hundred thousand, and you write it for four hundred, and it's listed at three seventy-five, you should be able to stand up to the plate and say, "Listen, if it doesn't appraise, um, I'll pay the difference in cash." And then I would, I or or up to a certain amount of money, I would be willing to pay in cash. Because at the end of the day, that's what you're really trying to say is this is what I think the house is worth. If you're playing a game, that's where I struggle with the the offer game is that they, you know, we're writing offers intentionally overpriced just to outbeat everybody. And then all of a sudden the house appraises closer to the list price. If you do a CMA on the house, a, a market analysis, if you will, for the buyer, before they write their offer, you know exactly, usually within, let's say, a couple thousand dollars of what that house is worth in today's market. And, and so you take a look at that and you do your homework up front um, and then present the offer in person if you can, or at least a phone call with saying, hey, here's how the lender's lined up and ready to go. And, and, and that brings up one last, I was going to talk about this. A lot of people ask me like, well, why do you have a preferred lender, Andy? You know, or why do you have somebody that you always hand their card out? I hand their card out because they're great. That's why I hand their card out. I have a history with that person of them being awesome and taking care of my people. There's no, in today's world, it's illegal for me to financially benefit from them in any way you perform without full disclosure. So it's like, I benefit nothing other than they're awesome. And so I refer people that are awesome for a reason, because it makes me look good. That's why I have a preferred lender. And so those preferred lenders, when I know that, hey, the last time I did this, they did that for us and got the deal done. That's why they're there. And so preferred lenders are a big part of today's market where Realtors uh, all partner up with their preferred lenders for a reason, and that's that's why. That's right. You're like oh, you're the soapbox king today, Andy. I know. I should really cut back on the old coffee. My wife, my <laughs> wife, and partner went grocery shopping and bought me this uh, Starbucks Verona, like high. Oh God, it's jacked with caffeine.
2: Yeah, it's, it's heavy on the caffeine. Have you ever done the Starbucks uh, iced coffees from the refrigerated section? Not yet. They have some good, they have some good coffees, but then they also have some new ones that are like mochas made with almond milk, which I mean, you would think is healthier for you because it's made with almond milk. They're like, they're delicious, but I don't think they're very good for you.
1: (laughs) I'm sure. What, what is good that tastes good? Really good. You
2: know, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Um, what are some quick signs you see when walking into a house that makes you think that the constructor cut corners? I think that could maybe be new construction or a uh, remodeling work.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, I, I'm a big look inside the cabinet person, you know, cause you can make the outside look pretty darn good. But, uh, if you go inside the cabinets, you can kind of see, uh, what kind of corners they cut, you know? So if it's like, you open the the drawers and the back of the drawers that hit the you know that you can't see you know they're not painted they're the old oak you know things like that you're you start kind of really wondering you know what these what these people are doing um what else andy there's
1: i, I look uh, at so, so I, I get into a house i look at the paint on the trim a lot of times people paint the oak make it look like it's the white you know uh, enamel kind of a finish i look at just the detail on trim like are they over painting? Are they keeping on the lines? You know, is the house clean? Did the front door unlock nice? Did they spend the time for the details, right? Look in the HVAC again. Look, is there dust in there? Is there accumulation of crap, you know, that they didn't clean out? Because those are the small details that if they're not even picking up those details, I guarantee you when they had the sheetrock off and they were fixing something, they didn't do all the details there either. So, you know, I, I always like the contractor that has the book that says, here's what we started with. And as I flip through there, on a flip anyway, and and they they still do the disclosure alternative, but they explain to you everything that they did to the house so you can question and understand what they did and fully understand what you're purchasing, you know? What I mean, and then I felt comfortable.
0: Yeah.
2: If you're uh if you're a home buyer in today's market, how how can you educate what's the best way to educate yourself on what to look for when you're walking
1: through properties? Well, I'll start. I like to look for the obvious stuff, water stains, um does the house smell like mildew mold? Trust your gut. Um, you know, when houses actually have, um, smells, that's usually the evidence that we need to start digging into, huh? Why does it smell like this? Is there an odd odor? Is there a whatever? Now somebody just had, you know, um, a history of of cooking food in the house that has makes that that's different. I'm talking about like mildew mold. You know what I'm talking about? You walk into that basement, it's got that musty moldy smell. There's usually a reason why, and even if it's not evident to the to the eye, if you dig into it a little bit, you realize, oh, in the spring it, it floods, or in the fall it does this, and so all of a sudden you have um, some uh, that that. Or I also look up, has the ceiling been painted? Um, painted ceilings usually are hiding something, um, and you know it just it, it might have been an old roof leak from 15 years ago, but it just it makes you ask the questions, right? You're looking for evidence to create more questions to ask to validate your concerns.
0: When I go into listings, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll look in the corners, you know, because if they don't, if they're they're not regularly upkeeping, usually stuff gets caught in those corners, and then uh, I look at the appliances, and if they're not cleaning those or keeping those up, um, and then the mechanical room, and those things usually kind of make me like, I I know if they just cleaned up for me to come. Or if it's you know a good house, so then that might kind of push me to one way or the other and how I'm going to approach it. But those are kind of my quick tells.
1: Yep, I got a I got a quick um, text here too on the side that somebody was watching asked me about offers. When when you write an offer as a consumer, all offers have to be presented to the seller. That's the rules. So I just when I say things like um, when I was having that conversation earlier about you know offers you, all I'm doing as a real estate agent was asking for evidence that they presented the offer and not going on the good old boy trust system. Because sometimes I honestly see where we're weird. The list agent sold the house, you know, two days after I presented my offer and it was the same as my offer. And so I want to know, you know, the other, the other uh, thing that you want to ask nowadays too, is that, does that listing agent have a variable rate commission? Is there a, a financial benefit for that person to sell that house directly over top of working with another agent that they have to compensate, those are those are very valid questions that I ask all the time. So um, I encourage you to do the same.
2: Any final thoughts, guys, before we wrap the show for this week?
1: Come get me off the island. <laughs> the canoe's too little. Yeah. <laughs> oh, buddy.
0: Please, please end this.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think, All right, guys. I think well, hey, no, uh, check us out. I know, Courtney, you'll probably plug this, but um, we need more followers, more listeners. Share the show if you like it. Um, I'd love to see you guys bring in some guests too. So if we have some awesome people. I don't care what industry they're in or how they affect housing that are around or in the housing business. We'd love to do an interview maybe on the show too. Um, do a nice little plug for somebody that's done a good job, a good deed, um, or has gone up and beyond the, the call of normal professionalism. We'd love to make sure that they get showcased and and um, and rewarded for their good behavior, for sure.
2: Yes, definitely like and follow the Real Estate Radio Hour page on Facebook and on Instagram. We're just getting that going. Our podcast is still pending on iTunes and <laughs> Google, but it's up live on Spotify. If you missed a show and want to recapture what we talked about feel free to go give us a listen and a review um we should be any day now up everywhere else um and if you have questions for the show definitely shoot those over uh you can email me directly courtney at amplifyup.com um and we'll catch you guys next week
1: all right thank you very much
2: thanks guys